Studios, it's time for The Rush with Podcast Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Little backstory to that game. You know, we beat Oklahoma State at the end of the year, but we weren't going to win the Big 12 championship, right? Mm-hmm. So we're leaving the field, and Joe Castiglione's, I'm asking about what you think of both things. He says, there's still a chance we can get a BCS Bowl. I said, what? Or, uh, you know, one of the major bowls. I said, you're kidding. He goes, no. So I, can never, I can't ever sleep after games. I'm still always too wound up. And middle of the night, 4.35 in the morning, I'm kind of going through our game, watching it and making notes on how we played, what we did, you know, each side of the ball. And then I see ESPN, the ticker tape starts going through. And I see Sugar Bowl. Oklahoma versus Alabama. <laughs> like, <laughs> I guess we're in. So I go, I'm getting cleaned up to go into the office early, and my Carol says to me, what, so what'd you find out? Because she knew there was a possibility. I said, you want the good news or the bad news? <laughs> she, she goes, what do you mean? I go, well, she goes, give me the good news. I go, we're playing in the Sugar Bowl. She goes, so what's the bad news? I said, we're playing Alabama. <laughs> She goes, she didn't skip a beat. She goes, and they're over there saying, oh, no, we got to play Oklahoma. Such a cool story there. Coach Stoops on the show earlier uh, talking about that game. That had to make the bowl list, right? Was that on the list? On uh, the Yes, it did. I think it did. Yeah, yeah, it made the bowl game list. Uh, Stoops-era bowl games that I had on the list – I had the 2000 Orange Bowl as the $5 one, the Big Daddy yeah, one, the prize egg. The uh, 85 Orange Bowl against Penn State, 78 Orange Bowl. That's the year that OU lost to Nebraska in Lincoln, but got to play him again in the Orange Bowl. And that famous video of, God, was it, um, I think Nebraska like found out like live on a TV show or something, and it well, you could tell that they didn't want any part of it. OU was all in and ended up beating Nebraska. 2013 Sugar Bowl was the two dollar one, and the 1976 Orange Bowl where they beat Penn State was number one, uh, the one dollar. Well, I don't remember that. That is probably like Washington when they found out they were going to the Oklahoma softball regional. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> they weren't they on think, TV and they all got up and walked out. I think you can look it up and find it that yeah, Nebraska wanted no part of a rematch with OU. They they knew everyone knew what was going to happen that day. That's and it awesome. Happened. It happened that night in Miami. That's awesome. Um, I you guys probably talked about this today on uh, Locked In. Uh, I didn't see that this happened, but Alabama is all of a sudden the number one recruiting class in the country. And Alabama's the number one recruiting class? What? Yeah. Uh, are you sure about that? Yeah. Uh, let me hold on. Oh, wait. Here. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. I don't, yeah, that, that's no. Uh, okay. <laughs> Okay. They did. They do have two top 100 quarterbacks committed right now, and they may end up being the number one right. overall class. But as of right now, they're all the way down at 12. They're right behind OU. I don't know how, but somehow I clicked over to the wrong year because Ohio State was there number one, and then I 
I just switched over and saw that Alabama was one and Ohio State was two. I was like, wait a second. When did yeah. this happen? Because yeah. they've been pretty far back. Current recruiting rankings, Ohio State's one, Notre Dame is two, Clemson is three, and they were – I don't even know if quietly is the right word, but this whole new era with the new staff, they're still killing it out there. Texas is four and Tennessee's five. Of course, OU's at 11 right now. Yeah. Um, Alabama set to move up, though. They're one of those teams that's kind of floating behind that's got more than one five-star already locked in. So, yeah. Well, who's our biggest uncommitted guy that people feel really good about? Do we have any five-star kids? Uh, Derek LeBlanc, probably, who is – yeah, I mean, yeah, I would probably say Derek LeBlanc, who's a... Isn't that Joey from Friends? Yes, that's exactly who. He makes the same faces and the same <laughs> jokes and everything else. Yeah, I think I think that that's him. Uh, well, I... They got Jacoby Johnson, who's a four-star athlete and a Mustang, but it's, it's one of those where, I mean, he's going to make an announcement, but everyone feels like it's going to be OU in the end. Uh, and maybe it was Parker that was telling me that that kid from Mustang is like underrated with how good he is. Yeah, he may be. And I I still feel like, you know, you may have some guys whose rankings are going to go up. You may end up getting a – Well, that's already happened to several players. Samuel sure. Omasigo was a, I think, low three-star, yeah. and now he's a four-star just rising up the list. P.J. Atabare was a th- – well, he wasn't even ranked, I think, like earlier this year, and now he's – Got a chance to be a five-star by the time it's all said and done. Jackson Arnold wasn't a five-star. Now he is a five-star. Then he won the Elite 11. So, yeah, I OU's doing a – and this isn't shocking, but they're doing a really good job of evaluating kids. Yeah. And they, I think they have, even now, which in a class that currently has 14 commits, they have a player committed in every single – time zone in the continental u.s huh you got a kid from the state of washington yeah you got a kid from the state of colorado obviously the central time zone is good and then you've got pennsylvania and new jersey out on the east coast the pachati kid huh that that's well that's what you call a uh, a nationwide recruiting class and still doing a really good job close to home Uh, who would have thought kansas city was because we haven't typically, and I don't know like wh- how many recruits come from that area, but we haven't typically had a whole lot of players from that region, right? Uh, I mean, you've had some between. in the past. I feel like you've they've been more, they've gotten more players out of St. Louis than they have Kansas City. If we're talking about that region or been in on, but I, there, there's been some here and there. But that's an area where they're really gonna. That area, they're going to continue to recruit hard, as is Oregon, because I guess Dan Lanning has ties there. Yeah. But that's a good area to be in. I mean, you can't make an entire class, but there's going to be, you know, two or three kids a year that you want that come out of Kansas City. I, just to keep it on recruiting for a minute and tie it back to what we talked about earlier, let's say the Arch Manning being overrated. If his name was Arch Smith, he'd be a high three-star. That was... Or Arch Gooch. Arch Cooch. That was the uh, statement made by Mike Farrell, who's um, some type of recruiting guy. I, I don't know what how how I'm, how how you should take that if it's just a guy that makes a lot of throwaway statements like that or not. But 
let's say there's there's some validity there, which there's a lot of people that feel like he's heavily overrated. Aren't you putting yourself, if you're Sarkeesian, aren't you putting yourself in a bad situation by going down that road? I, if anyone knows if he's overrated or not, it would be uh, Sarkeesian and a lot of these coaches. Now, part of the reason you want him there is because of the attention and what it does for the rest of your recruiting class. But, you know, ultimately, if you're a guy like Sarkeesian and you don't win with him and he's not very good, we talked about this before, it's not going to be because he's not good. It's going to be because you must be a terrible coach. That's a Manning. Yeah, he's a Manning. How could you not have success with a Manning? Sure. Um, Is there any way that their massive press for Arch Manning is somewhat an indictment on Quinn Ewers? I don't know if that's necessarily true, but you were five and seven in year one. You got to go all out for a quarterback to help change this because if you go five and seven again or six and six, all of a sudden you're on a massive hot seat going into year three. So I, I think that he's just trying to make a full press on quarterbacks to make sure that he's good at that position here very shortly. But yeah, right. I mean, that's, dude, we know what the narrative's going to be. What? Yeah. And if Arch is never even, Arch could be a good college quarterback. But if he's never first-team All-Big 12, the expectations are so ridiculously high that, you know, Sark may be called a failure for that. It, it, here, here's the deal. If they don't win a Big 12 championship with Arch Manning, it's going to be looked at as a disappointment. Right. Well, it's going to be a disappointment, at least in, in my view. I, and it has nothing to do with whether Arch Manning is overrated or not. Uh, I think it has to do with the same exact problems that have plagued uh, pretty much every coach that they've had there in the last decade. There's culturally something going on there, and it is not good, and it's tough to overcome. Because, you know, I know what they've done down there at Texas, and you talk to the right people, and, you know, it's, it's not easy. They're hard on those guys. They're coaching them really, really hard. But... It feels like it, there's still going to be a ton of resistance to overcome. Yeah. Well, on the flip side of the rivalry, it sounds like the culture around here is getting a lot better. Uh, there's a story on The Athletic today, kind of a state of the program on OU, and huh. it's got several quotes in there from Brent Venables. I'll read the first one. Quotes, everything is a lot harder according to them, Venables said. I met with every player on the team post-spring game. In the exit interviews, every single one of them said, it's a lot harder, but it's better. And so whether that is more connected, more accountability, relationships, or the quality of their everyday life, we've worked really hard to try to enhance it, but also take it places that they can't take it themselves so we can have the season that none of them have ever had. You've got to do things you've never done in order to have an experience that you've never had. So that's what we're going through on a daily basis, end quotes. There you go. Every single one of them told him it's harder, yeah, it's tougher, but it's better. Yeah. And and you know what? And I'll give you credit. I hate to do it. God, I hate to do it. Preach. But you did say it because I was very skeptical of, well, you're going to come in, you're going to do this, and that's great, and I love it, and I'm all for it, but I think that you're definitely going to lose some players. You know, whatever, but that's all right. And you said, I, I don't know, I, I think that these kids want to be coached hard if they feel like they're being led the right way. That's right. And that's clearly what's going on If right it's now. consistent and everyone's coached hard and 
They don't feel like they're getting singled out. It's hard, but it's fair. Yeah, kids, you know, we it's the throwaway statement now that these kids can't handle anything. Well, no, it's because there's so many people that let them get away with not handling everything. If you're consistent, you you hold every single person up there in the building accountable, players, coaches, support staff, people want to go win. And they understand that winning isn't easy. And they understand that there's there's a very high bar that's been set out there across the country. And in order to go do it, you, you got to put the work in. And he has – you can't go hire – you know, you, you can't get the the head coach from UTEP and hire him at Oklahoma and him come in and start, you know, driving everyone into the ground and have any credibility. But whenever the guy that's doing it has just won two national championships, uh, has won a national championship here, consistently has uh, the top or one of the top defenses in the country, well, there's credibility there. So if he's making us do it, this must be the way you win. And guys will buy into that. They will. Here's what he said about the defense. Quote, I like this group of guys. When I came to Oklahoma initially in 1999, I didn't like them. We were not (laughs) together. We were combative. We were not committed. There were a few guys that were, but not enough. That was a work in progress. End quote. There you go. I know it sounds like coach speak to some people. I just don't feel like he's that type of guy. I feel like he shoots it as straight as most, if not any, coach that you'll hear out there. So when he says something like this, I would tend to you know believe everything that he's saying. Yeah. That doesn't mean that um, this defense is going to be better than the 2000 defense or even the 99 defense or whatever that reference is. It just means that you've got a – a group of talented players that are probably more talented than anyone gives them credit for. And they're willing and, and ready to learn, do it together. People, football players, despite what they may say, they, especially now more than ever with social media, they see what people are saying about them. And no one likes whenever people are saying negative things about you constantly. And even though they were 9-0 and last year, there was a lot of negative stuff going on. And that leaves you hungry. Whenever you got a chance for change and uh, you believe in this new path and you believe it to your core, you'll, they'll go out and, and do everything you ask of them. Let me read one more. I, I've got a few others. We'll save it till next segment. Tell me if you read anything on this. And he's talking about the running backs here. Quote, Eric Gray, man, he's a stud. Marcus Major is going to be a really good player. He was banged up and had a high ankle sprain this spring. I like the maturity of Javante Barnes. I thought he was really, really good. Do I take anything from that? Just that, I mean, he really made it a point to say, dang, Marcus Major is going to be a really good player. He's banged up this year, but he's going to be a good player. Oh, I don't know. I think, um, hmm, it's an interesting spot they're in. You know, coaches have a tendency to talk to their players sometimes through 
the media through a, a statement to a newspaper, to a, a magazine. And if, if you've got a group that is, or maybe you feel like there's a player or two that are, maybe the grind is setting in on them and you can tell without easing up on them in the way that you talk to them, the way that you coach them, and the way that you um, push them every day, you can step outside that and say it somewhere else, you know? So I, I, I tend to believe him there, but it, you know, it could just be a way to throw those guys a bone right now. And uh, I don't know. I like all of them. I think yeah. there's a chance they could all be pretty good. Uh, from the 580 on the text line, all hell, if you love BV so much, why don't you marry him? <laughs> from the 405, he's overrated talking about Arch Manning because he's being rated the same as Vince Young and Trevor Lawrence. He's still a good quarterback, just not five-star level IMO. You know, I heard a good point yesterday. You know, Trevor Lawrence kind of ruined it for everyone in terms of being a quarterback recruit in that, he was a five-star recruit, and he stepped in right away at Clemson. Started like after what four or Second five games? Or third game, wasn't it? Uh, maybe, yeah, maybe even earlier A&M than that. Game and when he came in, won a national championship that year. So he kind of ruined it for everyone, right? Yeah. So now you are expected as the number one quarterback, five-star prospect, to come in right away as a true freshman and put up big numbers, and that's just not realistic. But those are the types of. Um, expectations that are going to follow Arch to Austin. And that text kind of – it it's kind of in line with what I've said. Maybe goes a step further. Like, I'm not even saying he's not a five-star. He may be he, – he may be a five-star. I haven't seen enough of him to know. I mean, there's other people that would be way better at judging that than me. I, I really don't know. I just know that, like, from what I've seen – I don't believe him to be a once-in-a-generation player like they've got him rated. Right? With a perfect 1,000 score, um, you know, saying all the things they are. Like Vince Young, like we're not rating him for what he might be in the NFL. That's not what you're doing. At least you shouldn't be. should be rating him for what he's going to be in college football. And Vince Young was a put the entire world on my back and go win the thing. And bigger, faster, stronger, 6'6". One of the fastest guys out on the field could move. I, Arch Manning, I just don't see him as that type of player. Not right now, anyways. Agree. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network. The Women's Choice Awards are in for 2021, naming Norman Regional Health System as one of the country's best hospitals in multiple categories. These awards put Norman Regional in the top 10% in heart, stroke, and emergency care in the country. Norman Regional undergoes rigorous evaluations and prides itself on offering personalized care that caters to the needs of women. Visit normanregional.com to learn more. This is Teddy Lehman on behalf of my former Sooner teammate, Josh Tucker and Roof Tech of Oakland. Lessons to, and experiences that I learned from when it comes to 
you know, keeping some things in house, uh, but also being being myself. That, that's why I was drafted there uh, was to help turn that place around and to be the best version of myself. I think it's easy to get lost in you know stories and media at the same time. So it's it's tricky to balance, but um, yeah, that's and that's the conversations, the multiple conversations that I've had with Scott and Coach Rule about. Um, they want me to be myself you know, be a good leader, be a great teammate, but uh, I've always been vocal and uh, being able to bring guys and, and elevate them. So uh, th- there's, there's balance, but that, that competitive nature, that'll never go away. If I do that, then I, I shouldn't be playing anymore. So and that's what's gotten me here, helped get me here, and uh, I'll, I'll have to continue to do that. There is Carolina Panthers quarterback. That sounds weird saying. Carolina Panthers quarterback Baker Mayfield earlier today. He will wear number six. No, sorry. No more at home with Baker Mayfield commercials flooding your TV on a uh, weekly basis. I don't know if I've ever heard you say his name like that before. Baker (laughs) Mayfield. Is that better? Yeah. I feel like that's the only way I've ever heard you say it. Uh, Uh, That's great. Well, I'll get back to that. Sorry. Uh, well, sooner this is the text line. Well, Sooners have until 2025, no sooner to win two more Bedlam's and Big 12 titles, with possibly a 20-team Super Conference. Go figure. Huh? Was that to us? I think so. Well, okay, we can unpack that. Um, yeah, they've they've got. Till 2025, as of today, to win Big 12 titles. Uh, I'm in the camp that believes Bedlam is going to continue even after the University of Oklahoma makes their move to the Southeastern Conference. How much does that depend on the SEC sticking with an eight-game schedule compared to a nine-game schedule? Does that matter at all? It's a factor. I think think Oklahoma is – I think Oklahoma is in a much more uh, willing position if they're playing eight conference games instead of nine. But I still don't think if you're playing nine conference games that it's you throw it out the window. I mean, there's there's plenty of teams out there that play tough non-conference games that they are – semi-forced into, right? I mean, South Carolina has to do it. You know, the the Florida schools do it. It's it's something that you – it just comes with the territory. And I would also say that I don't know that there's a better non-conference game that you could find in the country than Bedlam. Well, from a cost perspective, that's definitely the case. Cost? Uh, it it benefits the state economy whenever you keep that game in state every single year. Uh, obviously, it also helps the the local municipalities as you go back and forth, uh, home and away. But Oklahoma State is in a very small group of. It's like five or six schools, the tier that they're in as far as wins over the last decade. Yeah, they are super super high in the country. People love watching OU Bedlam or OU OSU. It's one of the heaviest betted games of the entire year. It, it, it gets huge ratings because it's always crazy. There's always a bunch of points. 
And you almost always win. Yeah, you're going to get disowned by the SEC if you don't continue to – if you do continue it and you don't – because I don't know what non-conference schedules are going to look like for those other SEC teams. Right. I'm sure they're going to obviously play teams outside the conference, but are they going to play teams in the Big 12? You know, the SEC is a proud conference, and Oklahoma State's got a real chance to kind of lead that charge in the Big 12. Um, <laughs> go out and beat Oklahoma State if that's the case in the – in a conference that's going to be deemed as not one of the power two. Right. I am interested, though, to see, regardless if it's eight or nine uh, games in the SEC, what OU's non-conference schedule is going to look like. Because they've taken the approach of, we'll play anyone, anytime, anywhere. Like We'll schedule up to the big boys, the best environments, whatever. Are you still going to play games out on the West Coast against Pac-12 teams? Are you going to try to play more Big Ten teams now than ever? Um I mean, obviously, you're not going to schedule a bunch of SEC teams. I'm just curious as to what, like, what game plan OU looks at doing with that. I, I think a lot of it depends on what the playoff does. I think they'll continue the spacing out of one uh, major name a year if. If the playoff expands, you may see that even come up. You may see uh, – can you imagine a non-conference schedule for Oklahoma? Nine SEC games, uh, let's say Michigan State, Oklahoma State, and uh, one of the – Well, I was going to say one of the Arizona schools. Okay, or, yeah. Or, yeah, maybe a Big 12 team. Uh, that would be awesome, but you're going to have to have an expanded playoff for that to yeah, occur. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I still think it would be fun if we did an SEC Big Ten Challenge, man. Just like we do the SEC Big 12 Challenge in basketball, yeah. that's a way to really beef up your non-conference schedule, at least for the teams up at the top, that the best team in the SEC plays the best team in the Big Ten, and then you go down that way, be and awesome. then we're all watching Vanderbilt and Rutgers at 10.30 at night to yeah. see who won the SEC Big Ten Challenge. Yeah, yeah, side bet it. Who wins the challenge? And um, I, it would be awesome, but you play I, – I think I talked about this with the Pac-12 and Big 12, and this is before the USC-UCLA news. Uh, if you're trying to make – each other continue to be more relevant. I would strike a deal to where first game of the season, the previous Big 12 champion plays the previous Pac-12 champion in Vegas. Like that's that's your thing uh, that you've got together. Now, you what's happened here recently? Maybe maybe end up getting a merger or something like that. But those are the type of deals that I'd be trying to strike. Totally. Yeah, just trying to have a unique aspect of – because you're not going to win the ratings battle on a week-in, week-out basis. You're just not with the Big Ten and the SEC. But have your own little quirky ideas that people you know care about and want to watch. Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But I, I, would, I would tend to agree with you, regardless if it's eight or nine, regardless if OSU's in the mix or not, I still think OU will schedule – marquee opponents um, in the non-conference every year and do your home and away, home one year, away in the other. Now, yeah. your marquee opponents now, you still got Michigan on the schedule. You probably keep that. Um, I could see him going. They got a Clemson home and home scheduled, right? 
I, I t- yeah. They got so many. They're so deep in the future. You'll keep the Clemson one, but I think you'll see, yeah, go to the Big Ten, go to some of those ACC schools. I mean, I'm sure they'll spread the wealth like they always have. Yeah. I saw a a text message on there that OU wants to continue Bedlam and OSU does not. I don't think that's true at all. I know that that was the posture of Oklahoma State right whenever everything was announced and they kept – you know, the brand new university president started, you know, making all these these statements at the, what, graduation or wherever those were. I get that. But you don't, with Oklahoma and Texas leaving the Big 12, the Big 12 payments is about, is about to shrink. You don't compound that by getting rid of your biggest revenue producing game your highest revenue-producing game. I, in my opinion, that's all posturing. They, they would be dumb not to continue oh, that. They would definitely be dumb, but how dumb do they want to be here? Because I'm trying to find the audio clip, and I can't find it. But Mike Gundy himself <laughs> even said – Well, quickly, yes, you're right. We do have a home-and-away schedule with Clemson. Yeah, Mike Gundy – 2035 and 2036. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Gundy even said that, you know, I don't know how you continue that, you know, with, with the current schedules or the current uh, structure. Like, Mike Gundy is even saying, I don't know how Bedlam continues in the future. That doesn't make me feel real confident that it's going to in the future. Well, I think it will. I, somebody, I, I just, I question it on a year-in, year-out basis if it's going to. <laughs> I'm just, I can, just so everyone knows, I have I share a screen with Tyler. I'm in the the air studio. He's in like the producer studio, but I can see what he's doing on the computer. And he's got his Mike Gundy audio pulled up. And the way these are all uh, <laughs> labeled is hilarious. Rat's ass, real journalists, uh, sings fight song, snowflakes. <laughs> Tortoise. There's multiple snowflakes. Mike Gundy snowflakes too. Mike Gundy snowflakes. Mike Gundy tortoise. Which, come on, we can't stumble on that and not play it, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds like a guy who's ready to play Bedlam still every single year. Uh, did you have the band, the band? I can, I can find it pretty quick, I think. <laughs> no, we don't, we're late for a timeout. we got to hit a break. More from the rush coming up. We've got a couple of segments left. Keep the text line coming, 651-3439. Riverwind Casino and Hotel bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Air Comfort Solutions text line we go. Get them in before we get off the air tonight at 6 p.m. 405-651-3439. Douglas Miles says, I do not want to sacrifice all of the fantastic non-conference road trips for the fan base just to preserve the Bedlam rivalry. Iowa plays Iowa State every single year, and the Hawkeyes use it as an excuse not to play more interesting non-con games. That gets stale. Yeah, well, it gets stale because Iowa's been in the Big Ten for how long? Uh, forever, I think. Forever. I don't know how long old the conference is, but they've been there forever. So the schedule has pretty much stayed the same forever. 
Oklahoma is about to embark on a conference change and play a lot of teams that I I don't even know that they've ever played before. I I know we played Ole Miss once. They uh, have they ever played Mississippi State? They've never played the here here. How about the schools where they have played? They right. played in Knoxville. They played in Tuscaloosa. They played in Columbia, Missouri. They played in College Station. Is that it? That they may played, be it. They've played LSU, but never home yeah, and away. Yeah, I'm talking about right. Like at, played yeah. Florida, never home they and away. Even played Arkansas before. That's right. Right. Well, yeah, I, I think that's right. Yeah. So you're about to you're about to go and get so many new games, and it's going to take several years to play all of them. So I I don't. I don't consider it apples to apples. Here's the other thing. I know Iowa State has like a four-year run here of being a really good football team. And and I know Oklahoma State for a long time was – it was pretty comparable to what Iowa State was. But that's not the case anymore since Gundy's been there for what now, 17 years? Since 05, however long that is. 17 05? years, yeah. Since he he's been there since '05, I mean they've had their ups and downs, but that is a stable, good, well coached program that over the last decade is shockingly in the upper echelon of college football. So it's not Iowa, Iowa State. Well, um, if they don't play it, it feels like it's going to be on OSU's side because it feels like OU has always been like, yeah, we're very open to make that happen. OSU, not not so much. Yeah, not so much. That's that's lip service. There's, there's. Here's the other part that you got to think about it too. And and I know it's a non-conference, and and I'm not exactly sure how the non-conference stuff works, but you know, whoever, whoever uh, Oklahoma State's deal is with tv deal in the big 12 i they're gonna be like uh yeah yeah you got if if you guys want this tv contract damn straight you're keeping that oklahoma game from the 918 mule shoe says the big 10 sec challenge would be quotes closer than you guys think what like this mm, that's a cold take hmm yeah. Didn't age well, is that what you're telling me? It did not age well whatsoever. Someone sent us the all-time records against SEC schools. Uh, Auburn, you're Sugar 2 and 0. Vanderbilt, you're 2 0 and 1. Tennessee, you're 3 and 1. Missouri, 67 and 24. Arkansas, 10 and 4. Is that right? I don't know. I feel like they've played Arkansas 14 times. Well, I think it it goes way back because we played in 01 and I think the last time they played before that was like Lou Holt with coaching in the Orange Bowl. Oh, is that, that it? what it was? I, I thought been. it was like eighty-one or something like that. But it's been a while. Kentucky, huh? Didn't they play Kentucky in like a was it a Sugar Bowl or something? I feel like that's right. Um, Kentucky claims the nineteen fifty yeah. national championship. Along with OU and there's three teams, Tennessee and yeah, everyone else. Yeah, we and a lot of those like those uh, onesies are like maybe a non-conference, but I think a lot of those are bowl games. 
Uh, I see the text. It's funny. Yes, Kansas trying to keep Texas as a non-conference game. Nice. That is funny. Nicely done. Never Arkansas. Yeah, I don't think OU and Arkansas have ever played in a regular season game, which is weird. Uh, let me read one more. I think Gundy knows he won't be able to get the same quality of players he gets now when the Big 12 becomes an afterthought in college football. That's not a knock on him. I think he's a very good coach. He's smart enough to understand what the future is for the Big 12. But this is all predicated on money and everything else. Like, financially, it would just make too much sense for Oklahoma State. I think that's the point. Yeah, it, it makes too much sense. And there's a lot of people invested in in it making sense. Like, your local um, your local vendors and, gosh, the state. How dumb would it be to for both of those schools to kill a rivalry that's happened for a long time, has turned into – uh, a great football game that gets great ratings, watched across the country, one of the biggest bet football games of the year. And both of them turn that down, a big revenue producer, to pay other schools wow. and sometimes even go out of state and send all that money elsewhere. I don't think they would turn it down. I think one side would be the one turning it down. I don't think OU's turning this one down. Well, that's what I'm saying, though. Like That's why I don't even think it's reasonable to consider that it doesn't happen. Uh, 405, boring. We don't want to play the stupid Big 12 schools any longer. So there's the pulse of the fan base. Let me read you a few more of these. Boring? Uh, Oklahoma-Oklahoma State games over the last decade have been anything but boring. Let me read you a few more of these quotes from uh, Brent Venables in that athletic story. Yeah. Quote, we've got a bunch of new starters Many of them will be getting their first opportunity when they've got to be counted on. But I really like the attitude, man. I don't say that a whole lot. These guys are very hungry, and they've got a good edge to them, a toughness about them. You buying it? I mean, I'm buying everything that he's saying right now. So, okay. Yes. Until you see otherwise. Uh, y- y- I mean, that's where I'm at. Does he say anything negative in the article? Uh, let's see. I think everybody kind of breathes a sigh of relief when you say Lincoln Riley. Is, oh, this is okay. This is from a um, this is from an opposing coach, opposing defensive coach on OU. But, no, in, he this, in the same article, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, Brent Venables didn't say any negative okay. about the team. Here's an opposing uh, Big 12 defensive coach on OU now. I think everyone kind of breathes a sigh of relief when you say Lincoln Riley isn't in the conference anymore. But then you get Jeff Lebby, so it's like holy crap. Offensively, they're going to have the skill for a high-powered offense, and Lebby obviously will do a really good job. He's a really good coordinator. They've got skill everywhere. Mims is probably one of the best receivers in the conference, if not the country, when he gets in space. Yeah. Yeah, I I think the I think the offense is going to be I think it's going to be just fine. I think it's going to be a little different. I think uh, I'm interested to kind of see. How it all unfolds. I'm interested to see how they use tempo. Um, you know, tempo is tempo's not a cure-all. Tempo is an added weapon, but you you have to be able to move people off the football. You have to be able to line up, let them know what's happening. Everyone in the stadium knows what's coming and be able to block people yep. and move people. Uh, that same defensive coach said, to me now the scary part is Venables could really put an elite defense on the field. And then an offensive assistant said, his defense is crazy. He's really, really exotic with his packages and his crazy blitches and uh, different coverages. 
Some teams will just play the same defense. Venables is going to scheme up everything, and it's going to be a brand new deal each week. They're going to be different defensively, and that's going to be an extreme challenge with the type of coach and type of players they have. They truly switch it up and play whatever defense they think is good. They'll game plan for you just as much as you're looking at them. It's hard for any offense because trying to scheme up and get a perfect play versus a perfect coverage is probably not going to happen against them. Yeah. All of that stuff. I know that's a lot, but. No, 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 that's good. And all of that stuff, I think, matters. But I still believe that even the coaches in the conference are glossing over the most important factor about this football team. It is not going to be a front runner, look at me, um, Team where if you show up, you hit them in the mouth, they're going to say, what's going on here? You're not supposed to do that. That's not going to be the type of team this is. It's it's going to be a totally different like mindset to how they play, and it goes back to culture. That's what everyone is glossing over, yeah. even the coaches. They're looking at the X's and O's and the players and – and that's what they do. But to be fair, they don't really know that that's going to be the case yet. I mean, they'll, I they'll find out once the season starts. But. I shouldn't. I guess I said glossing over. That's not like they like they're missing the mentality right. of the yeah, of yeah. the football team. And I think that's going to end up being the biggest factor of all of it. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We'll wrap things up next. Stay with us.